0: Hello, my name is Julie, and you're listening to the At the End of the Day podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode. How's your day? And how's your week been? I can't believe that it's already late November. When this episode goes up, it should be the day after Thanksgiving, which is wild because then that means when the next episode goes up, it'll be December. On that note, the first episode was actually supposed to be uploaded on Friday the 18th, which I thought I had set the release date to, but it went up early on Wednesday. So this is definitely a learn as you go process, but for future reference, new episodes are supposed to be released every Friday. Anyways, we've entered the phase of the autumn season where if before the leaves were falling but most of them were still on the trees, now most of them are on the ground. Which is kind of sad, because my favorite season happens to be fall, and my least favorite season is winter, so I'm not ready for the change. But if you like winter, you're in luck because we're getting pretty close and it's finally getting colder, at least in North Carolina. And you know, winter brings a lot of festivities. It's the time you bring out your fuzzy socks and thick sweaters and blankets. And it's a time of gift giving, you know, it's like the holiday season. Um, Our family likes to roast chestnuts, not over an open fire, but in the oven. And they're really good. So if you haven't tried roasted chestnuts before, you should check them out. (laughs) Also just the holidays are usually when you try to spend time with people you love. So I guess there are things to look forward to with the upcoming change in season. But moving on. Today we're talking about a lot of different things. And the very first topic, the very first thing is. I am hireable. Very hireable. And let me talk about it. Let me talk about how hireable I am. Actually, It's not just about how hireable I am, I kind of wanted to sit down and talk about the employment process or the process of trying to get employed so far for me. Um, I graduated undergrad this past May and then I went to a trip to Korea in June. It was my first time going back actually in 14 years and I was really excited, it was a really fun trip. And I came back in July and kind of chilled a bit because to be completely frank. I was not ready to accept this expectation that you're now supposed to enter the workforce and be employed and have a job to do adult things. I completely understand if that sounds very irresponsible or naive, but that's just how I felt at the time. And so it wasn't until like mid-August that I started applying to jobs actively, and I got pretty far in the process for a lot of them, but as I mentioned before, I'm hireable, so (laughs) Um, and the funny thing is, before graduation, my plan was to teach English in Korea for a year. But I ended up not doing that because, I mean, many reasons. One of them is that my parents were really against me going to Korea. And my dad even set up some meetings for me to talk to his friends who've worked in Korea. And they basically told me that uh, it was not the best decision and that I should reconsider. And now it's late November and I'm still unemployed. Not to say that it's like my parents' fault or anyone's fault other than myself. I take full responsibility of my decisions and I fully accept my circumstances. And the reason why I'm sitting down and even thinking that any of this is podcast material worthy is because I think I've extracted many takeaways from this whole experience, which is still ongoing. Um, But I wanted to give a short summary of it so far. Number one, this has been a great, I mean really effective, actually the most effective ego killer I have ever experienced. I think I used to have a pretty solid belief in myself and my abilities, which is a very general statement, but like overall I just think I have, you know, I have different skills and maybe talents, one might say, that are usable Uh, you know, like I taught myself how to edit videos in high school with, like, different programs, uh, like Sony Vegas Pro, Adobe Premiere Pro, also my photography hobby started in high school, um, I know how to play guitar, (laughs) it's kind of random, I can kind of dance or I like to dance, um, I double majored in college, although both of my majors, or in general humanities majors, kind of have a rep for struggling to find a job in their field, um, and I wrote a thesis in creative writing, Um, like I feel like I have things to offer, you know? Or I thought I did. But going through this whole process has really made me question, okay, what do I offer in other people's eyes? And are these things that I feel like I have strengths in? Am I even pursuing careers that have anything to do with these interests of mine, like genuinely? And I've just been doing a lot of reflection and reevaluation Um, And also (laughs) self-deprecation. But that's just a coping mechanism. Like I feel like if I don't even have the room in my heart to lightheartedly roast myself, then that's when you know it's gone pretty serious. But I'm still at a point where I can make jokes about just, you know, no one wanting me not being good enough for anyone. But yeah, since this has been a great ego killer, I feel like I have nothing to lose at this point. Like I just am going for everything with no inhibitions, I have nothing to fear until a new fear is unlocked, which could happen. But right now, it's just like, you know, whatever life throws at me, it's fine. I have nothing to protect, so I have nothing to lose. But I feel like for legal purposes, I should say that everything I have said so far is kind of just a roundabout way of me emphasizing that I am hireable. So please hire me. But all jokes aside, I really have been Reflecting on this whole experience and talking to a lot of different people. And I really appreciate like uh the words of affirmation that people have given me. Like, you know, you got it. Like, I'm sure you'll get a job. You know, it's it's nice. And one very comforting conversation in particular that I had was with my friend Mackenzie. And she basically told me that there are some people who kind of make their career make their job. Like their entire personality and their entire life which is cool that's to them but for her personally she doesn't want to do that and that just made me think like you know what i also don't want to do that in fact i feel like i've never seriously considered a job to be a really big significant part of who i am if that makes sense Like, you know, like when you're a kid and people tell you, what do you want to be when you grow up? For example, you might say an astronaut or a ballerina or a teacher. But when you're young and you say those things, you don't really think of those things as jobs. You think of those things as roles or positions that allow you to really invest in what you're passionate about. Um, and pour your time and energy into things that you really, really care about Um, and meet people who also care about those same things. But then when you grow older, you realize that there are so many different things that come with jobs, which is like caring about finances and how to get promoted and comparing how quote unquote successful you are to your peers, to people in your age group. So. There's so many things that getting a job in reality demands you to think about. But yeah, I think I'm just learning so much about myself or trying to remember things about myself while this job application process because I kind of have to balance being realistic and also not compromising my ideals or what I value, you know? But recently I was cleaning my room and you know how when you're cleaning and you just stumble upon random things that divert your attention and suddenly instead of picking clothes off the floor, you yourself are on the floor with some random masks that you found on your face and pictures sprawled on your lap as you sort through weird trinkets and jewelry. Or maybe you're self discipline and that doesn't happen to you but I was doing exactly this when I came across some letters from others of course but Three letters were addressed to me from me. And it turns out I had written letters to myself. And um, one letter was to me in five years. And then one letter was to me in 10 years. And then the last one was to me in 15 years. And I think I wrote them when I was eight because um, the one addressed to me in 15 years was dated for like uh, June or July in 2023. So. That means I wrote them in 2008, and that's wild. Isn't that wild? And I was reading the ones addressed to me in 5 and 10 years, and I think both of them were almost like list-like, like Like they weren't full-on letters, and the one addressed to me in 15 years, it was like I fought the temptation to actually read it, but I got like a glimpse of it, and it was like actually in letter form, like an essay, but the first two were organized kind of in list form. But yeah, I wrote and I wrote it in the format of I hope by this age I'll have colon then bullet points and I think one of the first bullet points was have a job (laughs) have a job and I was just like I thought it was really funny I was laughing but at the same time I was like no oh young Julie you don't understand I mean technically I have had a job before I have worked before I have work experience but just, you know, currently I don't have a job. And then I think one of the other bullet points was related to like the medical field, because uh, when I was younger, I was really committed to the whole being a medical doctor thing, following the whole stereotypical Asian trope of my parents wanting me to become a doctor. But I digress. Um, And I don't really remember the specifics of the rest of the letter but i'm pretty sure most of the bullet points i have not fulfilled or are impossible to fulfill like for example the medical thing like i'm not gonna be in the medical field or i don't think so question mark and again that letter just made me reflect i was like oh yeah my life has taken a turn you could say it's not going the way that eight-year-old julie might have expected and i was having these different emotions like half of me was like oh this is kind of sad because the kid version of me had all these different expectations and I'm not fulfilling any of them. And then the other half of me was like, you know what? Young Julie and also current Julie, we love surprises. We love surprises. So this isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know? The unpredictable is interesting. It's entertaining. My life is entertaining (laughs) or I don't know, actually. It might not be entertaining, but it's okay if things don't go the way you think they'll go. If that's one thing that I've learned as I am growing older, is that a lot of times, things will not go the way you plan them to. And that is okay. That's life. So yeah, that was just a very tender moment that I had recently, and I'm looking forward to reading the letter addressed to me in 15 years, because that's next year. But now for a 180 topic switch up. Since Thanksgiving just passed, I hope you got to spend it with your loved ones and got to focus on things you're grateful for. I think the feeling of gratefulness is such an amazing feeling. Really, it's underrated, actually. We as a society, we love to talk about love and romance. And we romanticize romance. We talk about romance and love and romantic love and romantic relationships and songs, movies, books, everything. Society seems almost hyper fixated on love. But I think thankfulness, gratefulness, is really where it's at. Not to say that love and gratefulness are mutually exclusive, but there are so many things beyond romantic love to be grateful for. For example, uh, my parents both have COVID right now, and so that's kind of been going on. But I'm grateful because they've actually been recovering really well, and uh, also I'm negative. I've been testing negative, thankfully. And for the past few days, they've just been like vibing in their individual rooms. Like I can hear them uh, watching like Netflix in their, again, separate rooms and like laughing. And so they're just having a lot of like personal time alone to rest and not work. And in a way, that's kind of what they needed. So I'm glad that they get to kind of chill at home. Obviously glad they're recovering well. And very thankful that I am negative, so I can kind of like help them out. Moving on to the music, books, film section. I still need to think of like a name for this section, because I can't just keep saying music, books, film, you know? Like it's not catchy enough. For music, I have finally entered my keshi phase. I have tried to get into Keshi for so long, I feel like that sounds kind of stuck up, but it's true. Um because so many people like him and I wanted to like him too. And it's not that I didn't like him, but I just I just don't know what it was. Like there were only a couple of songs that I would listen to and I kind of liked but now I understand. Now I get it and I've reached a new level of appreciation. So some Keshi songs I've been listening to are Blue and Band-Aids the acoustic version or the live version. Of course Touch is really good. Um, Also, John Mayer is just very nostalgic for me because I grew up listening to what my sister listened to. And my older sister, she's a huge fan or was a huge fan of John Mayer. I remember one of her alarms was his song, Clarity. So just through secondhand experience, secondhand experience, secondhand listening, I don't know. I now have these memories tied with his songs, and um, for some reason during wintertime, that's when John Mayer just becomes significant again to me. Like, slow dancing in a burning room is amazing in the wintertime. It just feels like a very winter song. Also, books. I, once again, this is so sad. I haven't been reading. That's, That's like my homework. I need to find a book and start reading again. For film, I completely forgot to mention two films or two dramas that one I have finished watching and the other that I'm currently watching right now. I forgot to mention them on my last episode, but I watched My Liberation Notes recently and Under the Queen's Umbrella. I think that's the English name, Under the Queen's Umbrella, but they're both Korean dramas. They're both available on Netflix. Go watch them. They're so good. Under the Queen's Umbrella is currently ongoing. And it's just, I like how it doesn't follow the conventional like romance route of dramas. There is some romance in there, but the main theme, the main focus is on family and relationships that are not romantic. It's mostly focused on friendships, brotherhood, and I just think it's um, really refreshing within the more conventional patterns of Korean dramas that follow romance pretty heavily. Uh just for more information, under the Queen's umbrella stars Kim Hesu, who is a veteran actress. She's literally a queen. She does amazing in this drama. She honestly carries. She carries. She's she's so good. And it's a saguk, which means that uh it's historical fiction. Watch one episode. Give one episode a try. Yeah. And then My Liberation Notes is also available on Netflix. The casting, the acting, the script, the script, oh my gosh, the script is really what I think makes this drama. If you love Slice of Life, this is for you. In fact, the first half of the drama is like really slow, but it's worth it. And there's a similarity between this drama and Under the Queen's Umbrella. Which is that this drama also focuses heavily on family and um there is some romance in here if you if you know anything about this drama there's definitely romance but somehow it doesn't seem like the main theme you know what i mean it's kind of on the side and this drama is really more about being an adult and uh kind of like the mundane patterns and routines that we go through on a day-to-day basis and how we find joy in little moments, or at least how we attempt to find joy, and the energy it takes to try to find joy. But yeah, just as the title suggests, it's about liberation and um, what it means to feel liberated and free within your own life. But yeah, My Liberation Notes and Under the Queen's Umbrella are both really good dramas, and both of them cover such interesting topics like finding your own sense of purpose and sense of self. I think those are very relevant. Um, I actually took a Korean film class my senior year and I really wish these dramas had been released then because I would have chosen one of these for my final project where we had to analyze the drama and script and everything. But yeah, I wanted to read the English translation of one of Jung's lines according to Netflix's subtitles. Translations never do the original script justice, but my Korean is not good enough to read. So, episode 5, Yumi jung says, When I thought about it, I didn't have anyone like that. If I think about it, the people that I thought I liked all have things that make me uncomfortable. Things that disappoint me, things that I hate, things that I'm jealous of. They all have things that make me unhappy. I might seem to be getting along with people without any problems, but in truth, there's not a single person I truly like. I'm wondering if that's why I'm being drained without realizing it. If it's why I always feel alone and also as if I've been abandoned. I've decided to try finding someone like that. Even if the other person blows hot and cold, I won't let myself sway. I'm going to just keep liking them. Wouldn't that be better than dealing with people without any purpose? I want to try to live differently. And um, again, that translation does not do it the original script, Justice, but basically, Yang Mi-jung is sharing her notes. I'm not trying to spoil anything. I so I don't think this is a really spoiler, but Yeon Mi-jung is reading kind of like her journal to some friends, and she journaled about how she feels, like she said, even with people she seems to like, there will always be things that she doesn't like about these people, and she wants to now purposefully try to like someone regardless of their actions or behaviors and you know it's it's kind of the concept of unconditional love and when i first watched the scene in the drama i was just so blown away because in a way it's a very common topic or concept of you know unconditional love just loving someone for who they are etc cetera, etc cetera. but she's emphasizing what it takes to love someone like that i don't know it almost it just feels like a very basic yet at the same time radical concept that reminded me of how technically you can love whoever you want. You can love your enemies. You can, just in a very general way, you can love whoever you want to love. If you've hated someone your entire life, you have the power to love them. Like that's a choice, you know, you decide. I just, I thought it was really cool how she was kind of reflecting on um, her perceptions of people and how it kind of drains her To have these like little negative things that bother her about people and now how she's deciding to just try to love someone unconditionally. And even if they do things that could give you an ick, I guess you could say, or it could be a red flag in modern terms, I don't know. She's still going to love them. She's still going to accept them. It's just very, very tender idea. At this point, I should just open a, a podcast about talking about dramas and films. We have reached the end of the second episode. How was it? <laughs> this is definitely longer than the first episode, which is more of like a trailer pilot episode. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in again and spending time with me at the end of your day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.